Welcome back to another edition of WeatherWise. So this means it is Wednesday. It's the last Wednesday of March. It's March 30th. I'm meteorologist Sloan Haynes, and today I have with me... I'm meteorologist Ulysses Garcia. So it's March, but it hasn't been feeling like March outside, Ulysses. No, it really has not. It's been feeling more like uh, like January as of lately, just because of how cold it's been, how windy it's been, and the fact that we've even been dealing with snowflakes. Yes, yeah, so we've been dealing with yes. flurries the last couple of days. We did have snow flurries the other day. I was not excited to see that on Monday. I think tears were shed on my part. My dog was jumping up and down outside. We all know that he is a true weather pup, loves all types of weather, but especially the snow. But something that Ulysses and I wanted to talk about this week on WeatherWise is that, you know, winter is over. We are going to start to warm up, hopefully, eventually, <laughs> soon. But something that we see throughout spring is that this is the time of year that's severe weather season across the country. Now, we have done podcasts where we've talked about El Nino and La Nina, basically Enzo. We've done podcasts dedicated to them, but we've really focused on hurricane season for them, especially with La Nina the past, I believe, two summers now having an active hurricane season. So we are still under La Nina conditions. We'll get to what that means in a few minutes, but we wanted to talk about, again, what is Enzo. So that is the El Nino Southern Oscillation Cycle. And that's basically is two parts to it, really. So it's a climate pattern that El Nino and La Nina are both part of, and these can have global impacts on weather, wildfires, ecosystems, and economies. So these typically last, El Nino and La Nina, typically last about nine to 12 months, but they can sometimes last for years. Now, El Nino and La Nina occur every two to seven years, but they don't occur on a regular schedule. So just because we've had two La Nina years back to back doesn't mean that next year could be a La Nina year, then it goes back to being El Nino, then it goes back to La Nina, La Nina, so on. So it's not a pattern in that regard. It's a pattern that's always changing each year. And also something we've talked about too is that El Nino does occur more frequently than La Nina. And what we're going to dedicate this podcast to after we talk about El Nino and La Nina is how La Nina conditions are going to be influencing severe weather season this year. Yes. All right, so let me just talk about El Nino and what it's all about. So El Nino, um, during this time period, means that trade winds are weakening. Um, warm water is actually pushed back towards the east, towards the west coast of the Americas. So when it comes to Enzo, this is pretty much in the tropical Pacific and the water, the warmer waters and the colder waters will shift. Either they'll either favor more towards Asia or they'll favor towards the Americas. So when it comes to El Nino, we'll actually have warmer waters pushed back towards the east and that means towards the west coast of the Americas. So that pretty much means off the coast of like Ecuador and Colombia. Um, El Nino means little boy or Christ child in Spanish. And when it comes to the origin of this, is it because South American fishermen first noticed that periods of unusually warm water in the Pacific all the way back in the 1600s. Um, and the reason that they use this name is because El Nino, the Navidad, um, El Nino temp typically tends to peak in the month of December, which is associated with Christmas. So that's in a way how the name got created. Um, when it comes to El Nino, the warmer waters cause the Pacific jet to move south 
to its neutral position. So with this shift, areas in the United States, northern United States and Canada are drier and warmer than usual. But the Gulf Coast and the Southeast, these areas tend to be wetter than normal and they tend to have increased flooding. So, yeah, so when it comes to that, it means that the southern United States will tend to be wetter while the northern parts will be warmer. El Nino also has a strong effect on marine life off the Pacific coast. During normal conditions, upwelling brings water from the depths of the surface and this water is actually cold and rich. So what this means is that just colder water um, along the Pacific coast, especially for um, off the coast of California. So during El Nino, upwelling weekends or stops altogether and without the nutrients from the deep, there are fewer phytoplankton off the coast. So yeah, so during El Nino, not during normal conditions, um, that upwelling tends to weaken. Um, and that pretty much just means that like, um, this affects how fish eat food and all that. Um, so, and also the fact that um, because of this effect also, um, tropical species um, cannot really survive in these areas um, longer. They have to migrate a little bit more towards the south. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and when it comes to El Nino as well, when it comes to um, hurricane season, it also uh, tends to play a downward trend for development because there's more uh, wind shear involved during an El Nino um, season for hurricanes. Mm -hmm. So when we go to La Nina conditions, what we're experiencing now, we've talked about this before a lot, especially since last year and 2020 both hurricane seasons la nina conditions were present which explains why we had a more active hurricane season that is one of the effects of la nina now la nina does mean little girl in spanish but it's also called el viejo or simply a cold event just because this is typically colder waters um, in the tropical uh, pacific but during La Nina events, trade winds are even stronger than usual, so that's pushing warmer water towards Asia. And off the west coast of the Americas, up upwelling increases, bringing that cold water to the surface. These cold waters push the jet stream northward, so it shifts it a little further north. And that is actually going to lead to um, a wetter winter for the Pacific Northwest. But remember, this jet stream is variable, so it can continue to move. And where we are on Delmarva in the Mid-Atlantic, that really determines um, this jet stream does play a significant role in the type of weather that we do receive because we're on the border of having a wetter winter, but also on the border of having a warmer and drier winter. And typically with La Nina conditions here on Delmarva, we do say that it'll be a milder winter won't be as cold, won't see that much snow. Obviously, this year was an exception to that. So La Nina winters can produce quite a few inches of snow throughout the winter months. But for the country as a whole, this does lead to those drought conditions in the southern U.S., heavy rains and flooding in the Pacific Northwest and Canada. And during a La Nina year, winter temperatures are warmer than normal in the south and cooler than normal in the north. And during La Nina, waters off the Pacific coast are colder and are richer than usual. So this environment does support more marine life and attracts more cold water species like squid and salmon to places like the California coast. But for us here on the Atlantic side, this is what leads to a more active 
hurricane season. Mm -hmm. So speaking of hurricane season, um, if they are forecasting La Nina conditions, which they are saying that La Nina is favored to continue into the Northern Hemisphere summer. So a 53% chance during June to August of 2022 with a 40 to 50% chance of La Nina or Enzo neutral thereafter. So it's looking like we will see La Nina continue over the next couple of months. So that will be taken under consideration for those meteorologists and researchers putting out the hurricane outlooks that will be put out soon, believe it or not. But um, it does show with it going down to a 40 to 50% chance of it continuing or an endo neutral coming after it does show that there's a possibility that this could weaken yeah. as we head throughout the summer months. So yeah, so like Sloan mentioned the fact that it looks at like the beginning of hurricane season, at least right now, it's favoring that we'll still deal with La Nina effects. But as we get towards the second half of the season, especially as we get towards the peak period of hurricane season, it looks like there's a chance it might just end up being neutral, so it might weaken. So that might be some good news for the peak and the second half of the season. All we can do is stay tuned, and you know for sure Na National Hurricane Center they will have their update um, mm -hmm. in May. So we're um, and I know probably in April we'll start seeing updates from like Colorado State. Mm -hmm. So. And, you know, we'll let you know about that. So it is that time of the year. And just as to why they're um, drawing this conclusion is that below average sea surface temperatures strengthened during February 2022 across the central and east central tropical Pacific. So that was their main factor to indicate them to make this conclusion. And they released this back saying that we were still under a La Nina advisory back on March 10th. So only a couple of weeks ago that they did say this. So that's just something to think about as we head throughout the next couple of months. But what we wanted to dedicate this podcast to was talking about severe weather. Mm -hmm. We did dedicate a podcast recently about severe weather safety, what to do, how to prepare, and how you can stay informed. So make sure you give that one a listen. But let's talk about it. Spring's here. Spring means severe weather season, especially in the south. And we do receive severe weather here on Delmarva. We've had quite a few mm -hmm. um, SPC risks put out for us already this season. And we are under another one on Thursday. But for today, a good portion of the southeast, the Gulf states, they are under um, a, moderate risk. a moderate risk for today and they are calling for tornadoes with those storms. So um, we're just going to talk a little bit about how La Nina does impact severe weather. So yes, so when it comes to La Nina, um, you have been noticing it lately with the fact that we have been under La Nina, we've been dealing with more of a higher outlook of severe weather across the country and even areas that normally don't see severe weather at certain times of the year, saw like when we saw back in December, where we saw tornadoes make their way into mm -hmm. parts of Kentucky and even into parts of Iowa. Like these areas are usually beginning to see more snow and colder temperatures seeing it. Um, and it has to do with like what Sloan mentioned with the fact that the, the jet stream, because the fact that the jet stream is so variable um, coming during the winter months, uh, you know, that really allowed for the chance for some severe weather uh, to play a role. Um, so yeah, um, when it comes to the and then the fact that we are continuing to La Nina into the spring months 
it's just going to allow for the severe weather season to be more powerful. Like Sloan mentioned a second ago, here on Del Mar, we've already been dealing with slight risk and marginal risk so far throughout the month of March. So just the simple fact that um, La Nina has been going strong throughout the winter has brought an early start to severe weather season. And unfortunately, it's continuing. Hopefully, like with Sloan mentioning a few minutes ago, we talked about how La Nina is expected to weaken later this year. Hopefully, that will bring a lesser chance um, across the lower 48. But what that means is that when we have La Nina, uh, you know, especially here in the lower 48, it's dealing with, we're dealing with better chances for wind shear. And mm -hmm. wind shear, I know we've been, that's why the National, the Storm Prediction Center has been busier than normal. There's just been a lot more wind shear with a lot of these systems. And that's what's allowing for uh, severe weather to form. The fact that these storms are also shifting a little bit more towards the north. So it's going to bring a better clash of cold and warm air into the area. And this produces a risk for tornadoes to just be a little more elevated and to be a little bit more towards the north. Mm -hmm. And yeah, not only that warmer air is this um, with the jet stream moving further north is making its way further north, but also moisture. Yeah. And you need both. You need warmer air. You need moisture for there to be unstable air for there to be severe weather so you'll see this because of this la nina pattern you'll see the jet stream travel further north and that's going to cause these ingredients for severe weather to push further north through the south and even into the ohio valley so um that is what we're dedicating this podcast to is just that La Nina doesn't just impact winter weather, doesn't just impact hurricane season, it also impacts severe weather too. Now, with the increase for tornadoes, um, typically the states that see the greatest risk would be across Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and southwestern Kentucky. Those are areas that are more prone to severe weather, more prone to those tornado outbreaks. And speaking of tornado outbreaks. It wasn't even a week ago that we, or I think it was a little over a week ago, that we had um, a tornado outbreak in the deep south where yeah. 60 tornadoes touched down from March 21st to the 23rd. And that included one in New Orleans and we all saw the footage of that tornado um, moving north, I believe it was north of the city. And it actually ended up being one of the strongest tornadoes on record there. So again, we've seen historic tornado outbreaks for already for the South. They're under another outlook for today, a moderate outlook on this Wednesday. And as we head into um, April to May, the peak of the season, we'll see a few more um, SPC outlooks and risks we put into effect, especially with La Nina conditions expected to continue just because of how that polar jet stream is easily influenced by the air. No, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely, you know, um, you know, we definitely got to be on guard more. Um, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago about severe weather awareness, so you know, make sure to give that a listen. But yeah, definitely the fact that we're going to start seeing more warmer air in play, more humidity in play, more daylight in play. Uh, that's definitely going to allow for better opportunities for severe weather, um, mm -hmm. you know, to grow across the country, including here on Delmarva. The fact that we've been lucky so far is a good news. But I mean, obviously, you know, all you need is one. And 
I mean, I know we say that a lot with hurricane season, mm. but that same thing can be applied for winter and severe weather. All you need is one, and that's mm. enough to make it an impactful uh, season. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't happen, and all we can mm. do is just, you know, be prepared uh, yeah. if it does happen. So for us here on Zalmarva, as of last check, we were under level two out of five mm -hmm. for um, strong to severe storms later in the day on Thursday. And that's just because of a cold front moving through the area, bringing us scattered showers, the possibility for storms as we head into Thursday afternoon and evening and overnight into Friday. Now, um, the SBC has put out that they do not believe that these storms will be very strong, that they have the possibility to produce um, tornadoes, but they do say that these storms do have the possibility to produce those damaging wind gusts. And we do have another breezy day ahead of us Thursday and again on Friday, but that's what um, the SBC is calling for for us here is that um, conditions won't be so conducive for severe weather on Thursday. So again, that's some good news for us here on Delmarva. Thursday though, that's the day I'm looking forward to because it's the warmest day of the week. High temperatures will be around 70 degrees, but with that cold front moving through, it's not only bringing us rain and storms, it's bringing us some cooler temperatures. And the good news with that is that we won't be as cold as what we are at the start of this work week. So we are going to go down um, only to the 50s to finish out the forecast period we are forecasting more rain for Sunday, but those showers are looking isolated. Drier weather returns on uh, Monday, but this time of year, our high temperatures average around 60 degrees. And as we head over the next six to 10 days, those temperatures will continue to trend slightly below average for a good portion of Delmarva. So a few more days below average, but it's good to see that our high temperatures are now averaging around 60 degrees. No, yeah, that's good news. The fact that we're, we're you know, we're going to get, you know, you still might need a, a bit of a jacket, but I think like the heavier jackets, mm -hmm. the windbreaker jackets that we were wearing last this earlier this week, I feel like we're, it's almost time to finally put them away or, you know, and. Um, Mine were put away and then temperatures went down to the 20s. No, yeah. And I know we had wind chills down into the teens mm -hmm. and. It was just, uh, it was brutal. It wasn't fun. Yeah, it was. I forgot. After being in Florida for so long, I forgot the emotional roller coaster the Mid-Atlantic puts you through to get to summer. And I always say it, too, is that week before Memorial Day weekend is the coldest week of May. Well, last year, I remember it was really, uh, it was just the weather was so, mm -hmm. I think it rained that weekend. I remember, like, we mm -hmm. had, like, record cold highs. It was, like, in yes. the 50s. So. Yeah, it's always the coldest week in May. Yeah. So just because they know I want to go to the beach. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll see what happens this year for Memorial Day. But definitely, uh, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, the weather's a bit of a roller coaster. I know, like, when I lived in Michigan, like, people would say, you know, if you don't like the weather, just give it five minutes, you know. So, yeah. Because it'll change. And then, in talking about precipitation really quick before we wrap up this podcast, Still under um, abnormally dry conditions yep. for a good portion of Delmarva, but for the next six to 10 days, it is looking like slightly above average with that precipitation. So any precipitation for us now is good. Yeah. Um, to our south and southeast, we have been seeing um, red flag warnings in effect. And we've even had uh, not warnings or watches, but special weather statements issued by the National Weather Service saying that um, there is the increased risk for fire. Um, so that's just something to think about as we head 
over the next couple of months too is that you know we don't see as much precipitation in April on average as we do typically in March. So any rain is good rain for us to help with these drought conditions. Yeah, the last thing we want to do is just, uh, you know, build into a drought condition. So mm -hmm. especially now with people already starting to garden outside. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, you know, the secondary concern if you're already gardening is like, uh, you know, like we dealt with this this week is you had to cover up your plants. So yeah. Uh, so just remember, you know, we may still have one last, yeah. couple last frost and freezes left. I think the, isn't the rule of thumb like 30 days after the last freeze before you can start planting? I don't know. Somebody has, I saw that somewhere. I think my mom told me that. Yeah, Maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. I know, I know we did like Weather Lore's a yeah. podcast one time, but I think it was for like fall themed ones. So. Well, maybe we could do one for spring and summer themed ones. I think that's everything that we want to talk about, Ulysses. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to say. Uh, I think we're pretty much good. I think, you know, when it comes to, we're about to start April. So let's see if April showers bring May flowers. I hope they do. Um, you know, and obviously when it comes to the weather, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, for Sloan's sake, it warms up even more. <laughs> I hope so. I'm ready for the 80s. When it reaches like the mid to upper 90s, you know, the week of the Delaware State Fair is the hottest week of July. Yep. We, we stand by that here at the station. But when it's that hot outside, I'll be ready for air conditioning. So no, yes. it's a love-hate relationship. But thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of Weatherwise, where we bring you weather wisdom. Have a great day.